Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 is where Lauren's going to be, begin her reading from, and she'll read the entire chapter, which is only 25 verses. So uh, Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 12, it's page 682 in the, in the Bible, it just says Holy Bible on the front cover. You got the other reference, Lauren? No, 968. And 968 in the one that has a logo uh, also on the front. So it's Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. So from verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of shadow of death, light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you so much for this passage and we pray that uh, by your word and spirit you'd be touching our minds and touching our hearts, that uh, we would be people who uh, live more faithfully for you. And we pray uh, for our children in the uh, Sunday school and the creche as well. We pray that um, as they're taught your word that... um, they would be uh, informed and transformed, that they would go on to live lives of fruitfulness in your service. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I want you to think about uh, yourself for a few moments and think about what life would be like for you if you did not know God. Um, what kind of person would you be if Uh, No one had ever shared the gospel with you. Uh, Now, some of us don't need to think too hard to imagine that because we might be people who became Christians uh, even not so long ago. And it's still fresh for us. We can remember what we actually were like as non-Christians. Without God, we tend to fill our lives with all sorts of things, don't we? Uh, Sometimes very good things. When I reflect on my own uh, life and I think, well, uh, imagine what if uh, Scott had never heard the gospel 
what kind of a person would I be now in my, in my late 50s? And I imagine that I'd be a person who had a desire to work hard, uh, perhaps uh, to gain a good education, find a well-paying job, become a good provider. And uh, there are many people who are like that, aren't there? And it's not a dreadful thing, but it's life that's lived actually without a knowledge of God. And of course, uh, without God, it uh, makes sense to fill our lives with things which bring us pleasure. A, a better house, a better car, a better holiday, a better whatever. And then importantly, there's the issue of character. Some people go through life um, carrying a burden of guilt for the things which they've done. Others, many others, live living, with, living without God means uh, having a, a rather blunt conscience and not actually thinking too hard about... Uh, the things which they're doing wrong in life so that they're not challenged by those things. Without God, we try to navigate our way through the complexities of the, the maze of life, but we do so without a knowledge of our Creator, without a knowledge of His purpose for us, without a knowledge of how He's designed us to live, and without a knowledge of what comes next after the grave. We are in dark about the things which actually matter most. Uh, however, in Matthew chapter 4, we're told about something which was remarkable that happened to people who were just like that, people who were living in darkness. So will you come with me to Matthew 4 for a moment if you'd like to open up your Bibles, uh, where in verse 16... Uh, we're told that the people living in darkness have seen what is described as being a great light. <laughs> a great light. And I was to explore today who were these people who were living in darkness. Uh, what did that mean for them? Were, were they like we would be if we, would, we had never heard of Christ? Uh, and what does it actually mean for us as we live for Christ uh, here in Port Macquarie in 2019. Uh, Matthew starts in verse 12 uh, by telling us that uh, when uh, John the Baptist uh, was put in prison, that, and Jesus heard about that, that Jesus returned to Galilee. Now let's just think about uh, that for a few moments. Uh, John the Baptist was in prison and the reason that he was in prison was that he spoke the word of God. Uh, the, the Herod at the time was the Herod who was the son of the Herod who was, born, who was there at the birth of Jesus. Uh, his son was Herod Antipas. And uh, Herod Antipas had divorced his wife and had married the wife of his half-brother, Philip. And John the Baptist confronted him about that. And you know what people do if you don't like the messenger if you don't like the message what do you do you you shoot the messenger or in this case uh, put him in prison and eventually he lost his head and so uh, john you'll recall had been baptizing people in the uh, in the south in the southern part of palestine in the region of judea and judea i guess you'd say was um, a bit like the bible belt of of its day it was um, J Jerusalem was in Judea. Jerusalem 
uh, with its temple, with its priests, with its sacrifices, uh, with everything that went with that. But when Jesus heard that John was in prison, what did he do in verse 12? Well, we're told that he returned to the north, uh, to Galilee, uh, which was where Jesus grew up. Now, some people suggest that the reason that Jesus returned up to Galilee was because John had been arrested and Jesus didn't want to be, become next. But there's a whole lot more to it than that. Let's uh, read again from uh, verse 12 uh, down to verse 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake, in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And why did he do that? Well, there's a purpose clause here. It is to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, we've heard that preaching message before, haven't we? Because that was the message that John the Baptist preached uh, in, uh, in chapter 3. When John the Baptist appeared in the desert, what did he preach? He preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John's ministry is now over. He only came to prepare the way for the king... And now as Jesus commences his ministry, Matthew tells us his message was the same. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And here uh, in these verses, <clears throat> Matthew quotes from Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, this is part of a suite of prophecies in Isaiah uh, which, uh, which point forward to God's coming kingdom uh, centred around, led by God's coming king but why did isaiah call galilee galilee of the gentiles i mean <clears throat> galilee was was part of israel why was it called galilee of the gentiles and, and why did he say that the people who are living there are living in darkness how could that be i think some background on galilee might help us at this point um, if we go way back <coughs> to the uh, book of joshua in the old testament <coughs> when uh, uh, the israelites entered into the land under joshua uh, the region which became known as galilee was given to three tribes it was given to the tribe of asher to the tribe of naphtali and to the tribe of zebulun and what they needed to do was to, to take that territory and to, uh, uh, to, uh, to remove uh, all of the Canaanites living there. But instead, in Judges chapter 1, we're told specifically that they did not drive out all of the Canaanites. They left pockets of Canaanites in the territory that God had allotted to them, contrary to God's command. So, from the very beginning, there were both Israelites and Gentiles uh, living in the same place and their lives became intertwined and fused together 
Uh, in due time, the uh, Israelites were marrying these Canaanites, these Gentiles. And with that comes uh, an eclectic kind of fused uh, religion where eventually they ended up uh, uh, worshipping Baal. This led to Baal worship uh, in this part of Israel. It's to such an extent that Isaiah here, and he's, uh, he's writing in the 8th century BC, can, can, can say that it is Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, moreover, as we saw in our series on two chronicles, that uh, around that period of time in the 8th century BC, uh, 721 BC to be specific about it, uh, the Assyrians invaded the north and defeated uh, the Israelites and took people out of Israel into exile in Assyria and repopulated uh, the, the northern kingdom with uh, Assyrians and people from, from other nations as well uh, who uh, again intermarried uh, and fused with the, uh, with the Israelites who uh, remained there uh, to such an extent that um, their offspring uh, in Galilee and Samaria uh, became the, the Samaritans, the half-caste Samaritans. Uh, it's also worth noting that in the period in between the two testaments that there were more Gentiles that moved into that territory but there was a resurgence of Jews moving up from the south uh, that also uh, moved in and so there was a, also a reasonable Jewish population in Galilee uh, by the time of Jesus. But the bottom line is that from a Jewish perspective, Galilee and Samaria were not pure. Um, in John chapter 7 verse 41, the, uh, the Jews said, Surely the Christ... He's not going to come from Galilee. <laughs> and they later on said to uh, Nicodemus uh, that no prophet, no prophet arises from Galilee, not from that place. Now, of course, as I mentioned, Galilee still had a, a, a reasonable Jewish population. Uh, they did have many synagogues. But this was not Judea. This was not Jerusalem. This was Galilee of the Gentiles, where there was much spiritual darkness. And yet, you know what? That's where Jesus went to start his ministry. Not to the important city of Jerusalem, which had every opportunity to know God. Uh, he didn't go first to the learned, to the religious to the proud uh, to the pure jews instead it was to this lowly mixed multitude of galilee and samaria and not only that but it was from there that came the first disciples um, <clears throat> in verse 18 uh, we see that jesus is walking along the sea of galilee and by the way it's not really technically a sea i think technically it's a lake uh, it's about 20 kilometers long it's about 14 kilometers wide sometimes uh, we get a bit confused in the gospels because sometimes it's called the sea of tiberius which is 
named after the city that was built near there. Sometimes it's called Lake Gennesaret, which is a plain that uh, is in that region. Um, but it's, it's talking about the same uh, place, the Sea of Galilee. Anyway, so Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee when he meets um, some fishermen. Um, four fishermen, two sets of brothers, uh, Simon, who became Peter, uh, with his brother Andrew in verse 18. And in verse 21, uh, James and John, sometimes known as the sons of Zebedee. And they were partners in business, um, the, the four of them. Now, we know from John's Gospel, from chapter 1 of John's Gospel, that this was not the first time that Andrew and Jesus had met, that uh, Andrew had actually been uh, down south. Uh, in, he'd heard about John the Baptist. He'd gone there, down there when John the Baptist was preaching. And it was in that context that uh, Andrew actually first met Jesus. And we know that uh, three of these fishermen uh, experienced a miracle that Jesus had performed uh, when they were having a bad day uh, fishing and Jesus said, put the nets out and there was a miraculous catch of fish. So there's a bit more background to it that we can read about, particularly in Luke and in John. But the point that Matthew is making is that uh, it is here where he calls them to become his disciples. Now, Ian Brunton uh, was a member of our church here, and Ian uh, was a fisherman. He uh, <clears throat> owned a fish farm at Gum Flat. And uh, Ian and I would meet together each week to read the Bible, to talk about life and God and pray and drink good coffee together and uh, one day Ian says look I'm fed up with fishing for fish I want to start fishing for men I, I reckon I know where he got that idea from don't you because it's here in verse uh, verses 18 to 20 let's let's pick up those verses as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee he saw these two brothers Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen and Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. So what's he going to make them? He's going to train them up to be fishers of men. How do you, how do you train someone uh, to fish? Uh, if you were a, wanted to teach someone how to fish, what do you do? Give them a book on fishing or give them a link to look up on the internet? What would you do if you wanted to teach someone how to... What would you do, Ted, if you wanted to teach someone to fish? What would you do? You'd show them. You'd take them fishing, wouldn't you? And that's what Jesus does here because in the next few verses, what he does is he takes these, uh, these fishermen on a fishing trip around Galilee. Now, Galilee as a region, it was about 110 kilometres by about 65 kilometres, which is small in terms of our context, but for them, uh, it was densely populated. There were about 200 towns and villages in Galilee, and so if you were to cover two towns or villages a day, it would take a couple of months to get through the whole of Galilee on this fishing expedition. Now, in verse 23, Jesus did three things. First of all... 
he went to the synagogues and he taught in the synagogues. That makes sense because that's where the Jews that were living there would go in order to hear God's word. Secondly, and it seems to me that this is a distinct activity from teaching in the synagogues because in the original Greek there is, a, there is an and in between each of the three activities. So secondly, uh, he preached the good news of the kingdom. And that is, he would have been preaching to all people, to Jews, to Gentiles, to Samaritans, to... He preached the good news of the kingdom. And thirdly, he healed people. Now, how do you know when God's king has, has arrived? Well, we saw at the baptism of John that the heavens opened up and the voice from heaven came down and said, well, this is my son... But in Isaiah chapter 35, how do you know? When Isaiah said that you'll know that the king is here because when the king comes, guess what's going to happen? The blind will be able to see. The deaf will be able to hear. The mute will be able to speak. And the lame, they are going to leap like deer. And when you see that happening, you see what's, what's happening there, it's a symbol it's a symbol of, it signifies the, why are our bodies like that? Why do we get sick? Why do we die? It's because sin entered the world, isn't it? And what we see in the coming of the king is the reversal of the effects of sin. A reversal that, that states that the king has arrived and that which points to what the future is for all of us in the new heavens and the new earth. You know, it's like... Now, <clears throat> this is not something which I do regularly, but think about when you get up very early in the morning and it's still dark and you go down to the beach and you look out on the horizon you start to see something. What is it? You start to see some rays coming up over the horizon and then you start to see the, 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 the sun is just sort of, sort of peeping up at you. It's, and it's still dark, but the light is dawning. And when you see the light dawning, you know what's going to happen next, don't you? Uh, won't be too long because before it'll be bright as day. And the dawning of the sun is a symbol that signifies that the day is coming, that that is the moment. And this is what we see here. It's what, it, it, it is a light that is dawning in the kingdom of God. Now, in verses 24 to 25, news about Jesus spread and the people came but not just from Galilee. People came from Syria, which is up in the northeast um, of there. Uh, people came from the, the other side of the Jordan River, from the eastern side of the Jordan River. Uh, they came, we're told, from the Decapolis. This is a very Greek area, the Decapolis. I mean, it, Decapolis means Deca, ten polis city, ten cities. Ten Greek cities. Uh, it was near the Decapolis. Remember when Jesus 
uh, drove some demons out of two demon-possessed men. And uh, the demons, uh, he sent them into a herd of 200 pigs. And the pigs went and drowned themselves uh, in the water. Well, that was near the Decapolis. What kind of territory are you talking about here? You're talking about a, ter- a, a herd of 200 pigs. Is that Jewish territory? No, this is, this is deepest, darkest Gentile territory <laughs> that we're talking about here. And this is where they came from. They came also from Judea, indeed from Jerusalem itself. They all converged on this, into this despised, ignorant, sin-darkened Galilee of the Gentiles. And why? Because in verse 16, on those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus once said, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a great description, don't you reckon? Because the light of Jesus um, uh, <coughs> exposes our sin. Uh, it's, it's a light that uh, penetrates into the dark recesses of our lives and, sh- and reveals that we need a saviour. And it's a light which points us all the way to the cross of Jesus and the forgiveness and the hope that is found in him. So, why did Jesus go to Galilee? Well, it was to fulfill Isaiah chapter 9. And specifically here in Matthew's Gospel, there is great symbolism. Because Matthew starts uh, with the ministry of Jesus in Galilee. And it finishes at the end of the Gospel, in chapter 28, uh, with Jesus' command that his disciples would be fishers of men that they would go into all of the world and to preach the kingdom of God, to preach the good news of Jesus, to go into all the dark places with the message of the light of Jesus. And so what about us? Now, um, you may be someone who's been raised in a Christian family. Praise God for that, eh? Where mum and dad have uh, always taught you about Jesus. In fact, if I was to say to you, when did you become a Christian? You might think back and you say, well, you know what, Scott? I can never remember a time when I didn't know Jesus and I didn't love him. Praise God. That's great. Or perhaps, uh, like myself, that wasn't your situation and uh, that you've, uh, someone shared the gospel with you and you've come out of darkness and you've come into the light of the kingdom of God. Whatever the case... If you are now living in the light, then that should be shown by the way that you live. Uh, When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, have a listen to what he said to them. This is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, He says, and I quote, For you were once darkness. (laughs) Not Not just that you were living in darkness, you actually were dark. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so he goes on to say, therefore, live as children of the light. Live as children of the light. I mean, imagine uh, if you did not know God, 
how different would your life be to what it actually is? You'd have to say that if you were living in darkness without God and then you're living in the light of the gospel, then these should be two pretty different lives, shouldn't they? (laughs) And if they're not different, then we actually need to think hard about that. We should be different in terms of our hopes, in terms of our priorities, our humility, our character, our behaviour. And like God, we should also have a love for those who are living in darkness. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus says that um, not only that he is the light of the world, but that you are the light of the world, you and me. Uh, We're the light of the world. Now let's talk about that in terms of Port Macquarie. Port Macquarie is a highly desirable place to live. If you're on holidays here today from somewhere else, welcome here for a brief holiday. Come back and live. (laughs) It's a great place to live, isn't it? I'm going to put this out there. I reckon not only is Port Macquarie the best place in Australia to live, it's the best place in the world to live. Just putting it out there. And yet... And yet, it's a very dark place. For there are tens of thousands of people living here who are in darkness. Our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues at work, kids we go to school with, people we play sports with. They may not think that they're in the dark. But you know what? Sometimes you don't know just how dark things are until someone shines a light and that light is Jesus and his light can shine through us. Port Macquarie is a growing place. Two barometers of that I think are um, (coughs) not just the traffic jams um, and the need for more parking spaces but the growth in Port Macquarie means that our school enrolments are pretty healthy as far as I know. We have thousands of young people in our schools, many who've never heard at all about the gospel, never heard about Jesus except uh, maybe as a swear word and we can't blame them for that. That's not their fault. The government sets aside a period a week for us to go into the schools and tell them about God. What a great opportunity that is, eh? To shine a light. Um, uh, We need more scripture teachers. If that's something that's of interest to you, come and talk to me. Be happy to uh, work that through with you. Do pray that God will raise up more scripture teachers. The other area of life that you see it, the growth is at the other end of life, isn't it? That's a retirement village. There seems to be another retirement village popping up every month around Port Macquarie. I have a friend who wanted to reach people in our town for Christ and he was a <coughs> pastor of a um, large, pretty youthful church somewhere else. But when he came to Port Macquarie, he said, I, I just want to reach people for Christ. I, I don't really care who I reach. He just knew that there were people who were living and dying in darkness without Christ. <laughs> so he went to the management at one of the retirement villages and said, can I run some activities? I said, sure. So he set up a Bible study group for non-Christians <laughs> and it was fabulous hearing from him uh, about an elderly man who committed his life to Christ uh, in that context. Now, it may not be easy um, 
fishing for men takes, uh, and women and children, takes commitment. It's intentional. Uh, it involves our time, our energy, and uh, indeed our lives. And we're all different people, aren't we? We all have different gifts and different relationships and different opportunities. For example, I'm probably not going to volunteer myself to Christian surfers to help them reach the surfing community. That's probably, you know, as much as I might think highly of myself, that's probably not my area of giftedness. We all have different gifts, don't we? Different opportunities, different relationships. The question, the deeper question, is are we available? Do we want to be fishers of men? Our Lord went to Galilee of the Gentiles because he had compassion for those who were living in the darkness. Now, I think time's up. Um, let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for, for Jesus and for the, the, uh, the, the way that he has come into this world, the way that he has fulfilled all the prophecies of Isaiah. Uh, we thank you, Father, that he went to the, the multitudes that were, uh, were crying out uh, because of the darkness in which they were living. Father, we pray for ourselves that we would have such an understanding of what Jesus has done that we would know that we are those who have the light and can shine that light. Help us, Lord God, to be fishers of men, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.